It's Monday the 6th of April 2020. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. Between the two interviews this week, news of Iceland's sixth death came up, so the first interview does only talk about five. I am joined this week by the editor of news at vsir.is, Kolbein Tumi Dadason. But first, uh, I'm very happy to be joined again this week by Dr. Maud Christiansson, senior physician with the Infectious Diseases Department at Landspitali University Hospital. Uh, first of all, what's changed since we spoke last? Well, I think uh, the numbers have actually um, not risen as as, uh, as expected. So we're actually um, in a pretty lax situation right now. Uh, do you mean that in a good way? In a good way, yeah, in a in a good way. So so that um, the number in the hospital has, has actually not risen as steeply as we anticipated, and we've managed to discharge some patients. So so overall, we have a fewer patients now um, in the hospital uh, or, or at least uh, I'm not exactly sure how many we had uh, last Monday when we spoke but today uh, we have fewer than we had anticipated. Okay. That's very positive yeah. and also I believe the first three patients have been taken off the ventilator now as well. Yeah yeah so, so three pe- pe- persons have been taken off the ventilator unfortunately one gentleman passed away uh, yesterday uh, but uh, yeah, so far we've managed to take three off, and, and two are doing quite well actually. So that because I was going to mention, there's been the, the fifth death in Iceland, and, yeah. and he was one of those people, was he? Absolutely, yeah. So that that was an unfortunate thing. So we, we've had a total of five deaths um, claimed by this disease. So one was a, a foreigner, a foreign gentleman from Australia, and um, and then we've. Um, for local people. Obviously, that any death is a tragedy, but um, the computer models, how did they predict that it would be at this stage? Are we about where we thought we would be? Uh, um, I believe we are um, at about the same time, uh, same place where we uh, had predicted. Uh, although we, uh, um, the predictions were that we were going to have more people in the hospital mm-hmm. uh, and more people in the intensive care. Um, so... For, for some reason, we've managed to um, to take care of these people more on an outpatient basis. We have this um, um, urgent care, uh, COVID urgent care uh, facility set up, uh, which has been a tremendous work um, done by uh, colleagues of ours, and, and they're doing a wonderful job, um, both doctors and nurses. And they have actually, they're calling out, uh, they have about 1,000 people, uh, take, that they're taking care of, and they, they actually have them, um, uh, they have them uh, stratified according to their symptoms score, so that uh, if you're on red, um, they get called like every day. If you're on yellow, you get called maybe every other day, and if you're on green, uh, then that's you know with a longer interval. So this is. About a thousand or so people that have got the virus and are at their own homes. Right, right, yeah. So they're, they're they are basically at home. Uh, they have somebody uh, assisting them, or or you know they're they're managing on their own. But with this frequent um, interaction with with our staff, uh, we're able to sort of divert people from the emergency room, um, and and this obviously has impact on the 
um, the level of infectiveness you know in the society at large so th th this is actually very good in 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 the containment uh, sort of endeavors mm -hmm. uh, are we still in a position where what was it 50 60 plus percent of people of new cases were already in quarantine is that still the case yeah it, pretty much uh, it, it, I mean, the numbers are so small, so it, it fluctuates a little bit, but, but by and large, we're, we're sort of in that ballpark. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're aiming for? Absolutely. So that's, that, I mean, theoretically, if everybody was in quarantine, then, you know, nobody would, we wouldn't pass it on anymore. So that's, that's really healthy and, and good. Failing, uh, or not failing, but until we get a vaccine for this, yeah. you can't put everyone in quarantine, obviously. Uh, and then it, when, when those restrictions are lifted, surely it would just start up again, is that right? Right, right. And th this, is, uh, this is becoming more and more uh, evident as, as, uh, as you know, weeks go by. Uh, I mean, if you, if you look, how, how is this going to pan out? I mean, um, one uh, scenario would be that um, the, the virus would go away or would be contained uh, globally at the same time, which is a very unlikely event. Given, given its widespread spread. Mm -hmm. So the other, other issue is, um, uh, I mean, like in, in the United States and to some degree in, in, in the UK, maybe Sweden, um, the, the, um, the, the restrictions, the societal restrictions weren't uh, put in place until it had a, we had a massive spread in the society. So that... Um, this is creating an enormous problem for healthcare systems in these countries so that this is not something that we would like to see because you know the, the systems would just collapse mm -hmm. so what we're looking at is a, is a sort of a mitigation of this pandemic um, taking care of it locally as it arises and, and, and trying to sweat it out for a long time until we have a good uh, medications or, or, or a decent vaccine. And this is all going to take time. Mm -hmm. Why is it working out differently in Iceland, given that the restrictions we have in place are, are not as strong as in, as in some places, like the UK you mentioned? Yeah. Uh, so why is it working out differently here? Well, I, I don't really know the answer to that, but maybe, um, I mean, the society is small, it's um, homogenous, it's uh, uh, the... Um, We've been able to utilize uh, the media and the uh, you know the smartphones and and what have you to connect with people. Mm -hmm. um, we've been able to divert uh, people from you know the the, the elderly homes, uh, from the hospitals, you know mostly. So we haven't seen the the surge in cases like in the elderly population as we're seeing in, for example, Italy and and some places in the United States and other places. And of course, they're the most at risk group. Absolutely, and they they are the most vulnerable. They are they, they are uh, with the highest mortality rate and and uh, consequently the uh, highest sort of impact on the on the hospital system. Mm -hmm. Um, the chief epidemiologist Thorolvur said at the meeting yesterday that he thinks or he feels that the, the, the rate of active infections in the country is, is reaching its peak now. That's on schedule, isn't it? That's what you were hoping for. Yeah, um, yeah we were actually aiming at the first week of April, which is we're sort of there now. And I, would, I, I agree with him. I, I think we're going to be seeing fewer and fewer cases uh, from now on. But then... Um, 
you know, then by the end of April, early May, mid-May, then uh, if we have few cases and, and they're going to be lifting up the, the societal ban, um, then what's going to happen, you know? Then, uh, I mean, as people are going to be looking to travel abroad, um, are, are we going to need some restrictions on that? Are we going to have to quarantine people coming and people leaving and coming back? Mm. I mean, there are all kinds of issues that need to be sort of thought through uh, before we can actually take our next steps. And how might that look? Like, uh, what sort of time scale? what sort of measures? Because, like you say, you can't just lift all the measures at the same time. That's impossible. Yeah. So I think uh, this, this has to t filter in a couple of things. One is the, um, the economy. I mean, obviously, uh, we, we cannot shut down the economies globally. I mean, that's, I mean, you can do it temporarily, but not in the long haul, because it affects people's lives, their jobs, uh, their uh, livelihood, so so w we have to think that through. So we have to do it in a in a in a some in in a stratified manner, and I, I don't really have the answer right now. And I, I think there's a lot of people thinking this through. I mean, how do you how do you lift the ban? Um, how do you sort of um, encourage the society to to live normally with the lowest possible risks uh, risk involved in in, in in, in um, further spread, mm -hmm. but still you're going to need to have some people sort of um, having the disease. I mean, you, it's, it, uh, it doesn't come out right. I'm not saying that we need to have people, uh, but, but uh, it's inevitable that there is going to be a low level uh, infection, hopefully low level, so that we can contain it or, or sort of, um, yeah, contain it. But uh, until we have the medications and the vaccines, so that we can do something properly to to prevent this and and take it away altogether. Um, you mentioned briefly earlier um, regional problems and, and the clusters. Uh, tell me what's going on in the Westfields right now. Well, we had this unfortunate thing uh, that somebody uh, or, or uh, an infection was introduced into the society, into the elderly homes. And consequently, we had um, widespread, you know, or, or some spread within the society, local society, and among the healthcare workers. So that, uh, I mean, being the small society it is, it, it obviously has to, it comes to a lockdown and everybody gets quarantined. And uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to be able to contain that um, fairly rapidly. Um, we have another example in the Vestman Islands, and, and they have done drastic measures there and um, so I, I, I think you know these uh, places are fairly easy to contain but but it leaves a lot of problems to be dealt with you know you know manning all the positions in the in the elderly homes and you know and, and the society has to continue to work you know you have to bring in some goods and you have to disperse the goods and and all these regular things that we do in society. So it's a challenge, it's a challenge. Challenging, yeah. Um, now, there's news this morning from New York that a tiger in Bronx Zoo has been diagnosed with COVID-19. It's not the first animal that's been diagnosed with it. Should we be worried about this? Well, uh, um, it, it sort of add, add, uh, adds a dimension to the, um, to the, how, how the containment sort of um, schedule. Because I mean, we have cats and dogs and uh, you know pets, 
um, other types of pets. And, and you, I mean, is it an infection within their mucous membranes, or is it just something that you carry on their fur? And it may be a combination of both things. These things, so so it's a it's an added challenge. And uh, I mean, I don't think that people have to take their pets to the to the veterinarian to put them under or anything like that. It's just that you know, just exercise, hand washing, and 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 protective measures. Mm. If you have pets at home and and that that feels sick, you know, you can take it to the vet, obviously. I don't know about the tiger. Is is that a pet or that's a tiger in the zoo? I, I I'm. A, I'm imagining. Yeah. So it shouldn't be a, a challenge ex except for the, the caretaker. Mm. But I mean, it's a question of if, if the virus were to, you know, if the tiger were to become sick with the virus and then be able to pass it back to humans. Yeah. But we had, there's no evidence of that, is there? No, I, I'm not aware of that. But, but, but having said that, I mean, obviously, we know that it came, the virus came from a bat and had an intermediary host where, where the genome was rearranged and then passed on to to humans, um, it's called pangolis. Uh, I think it's called pangolis in English. So, so that that that, that it, there is a, some passage from you know across species, but that's in infectious diseases. That that's not that common. You know, mm. it's with all the all the uh, interaction between men and and animals, uh, passing on infections between the species is not that common. But it happens, and we call it zoonosis. So it's a possibility. Okay, just finally, uh, and not directly related, but of course intricately related, the nurses, uh, their pay and conditions dispute that's been they've been out of contract for over a year now. Yeah. Apparently, they're they're meeting now for the first time in in over two weeks. Uh, uh, do you th I mean, that's going to be good, isn't it? We're, ev everyone's on their side, yeah. I think. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they have a bargaining chip up their sleeve, I, I, I would imagine. But it's it's very difficult to to mix, um, you know, your salaries or, or your, uh, into uh, a, a havoc like this. I mean, th this is something that we just have to take care of. But obviously, it would be better for everybody if 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 salaries were taken care of, you know, properly. Mm. And it's uh, it's not good for them to be without a contract over a year. And and the the events leading up to having that uh, contract um, was was uh, was not good. So it it put bad taste in nurses' mouths. So so I think it it has to be resolved, you know, quickly. Mm. I don't suppose that it's affecting the quality of their work in any way. I'm sure. Not at all. I mean, the the nurses that I'm working with and and that I see work. Uh, do it impeccably, so that's it's the very professional um, bunch. But yeah, it would be great timing, wouldn't it, if they they get a handshake or an elbow bump, I should yeah, right. say. Now, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I mean, that's that's that, that's what needs to be done right now. Right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, called by Tumi Dalasson. Uh, news editor at Vsit. Uh, thank you for your time today. Uh, I imagine things in your newsroom are just as, as crazy and unusual as they are in ours. Yeah, I think uh, probably almost. We're uh, working, many of us from home, um, have set up a little office in uh, different spaces in our kitchens and living rooms and uh, bedrooms and trying to deliver the news, which sadly are many uh, negative due to the impact of the of the COVID uh, 
yeah, the, the COVID uh, uh, pandemic, or? pandemic that's uh, all over the world and having serious impact. So, and uh, this is for the online. Everybody is is doing news from home, but uh, for Visir, but for uh, Stud Channel Two, we have two teams of reporters that are working seven days uh, in a row and then taking seven days off, oh, as to having two two teams, if one should. Um, yeah, to limit the the risk of, of, of spreading the the virus within our own uh, own team. Mm. Um, obviously, in the news this week, we've got we've had a officially we've had our fifth death. But then this morning, it seems is is it a sixth one coming from the Westfields now? That's the number six, is it? Yeah, we had the, the fifth uh, yesterday. Uh, a man who who had actually been uh, in the hospital and looked like he was getting better, but sadly. Sadly, uh, passed away yesterday, and then there was uh, an old, old uh, man in the Westfjords in a nursing home in Bolungavik uh, who passed away yesterday as well. So that's uh, six total. And that's kind of, I guess, what we were expecting at this stage. That sort of numbers. I think so. I think we're kind of uh, well. The numbers so far have been we're uh, we're at the optimistic or the realistic. Um, Forecast, I guess you could call it for uh, for the spread uh, of the disease. But as for the people that are uh, the critical cases, I think we're we're uh, leaning towards or even even worse than the the worst uh, forecast. So, but it's just changes so differently. I mean, yesterday we have two two new deaths, uh, so we go from four to six, fifty mm-hmm. percent increase. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how they respond at the at the meeting today. But. We know the impact of this. It's obvious that uh, people will die. We have people in the in, in very critical conditions in the in the hospitals, and the, the success ratio uh, from when you are when you are uh, an older person or, or with uh, already some uh, illnesses, then you're in a in a uh, in a weak seat when you deal with the the virus. Now, the the most recent guy to die was in, in in the Westfields, as you say. There's an interesting sort of story, like how that's developed in the Westfields. Very suddenly, over the last week, they had a few cases, and then suddenly it jumped up to about 17 in one day. Mm-hmm. Do we know what happened? Well, um, well, we have. This is the second, I guess you could say, a uh, person who to die from the Westfields. The first one was actually on holiday in Spain with her family and, and died in Reykjavik, never returned to the Westfjords, sadly. And an older woman and her husband also got the virus, but thankfully he uh, he is better. Um, in the Westfjords, I'm not sure if they have found, figured out the reason, but the Westfjords is a, it's obviously a very close community. And, um, and for the longest time, it, it was like the Westfjords was like the East Fields were kind of, uh, yeah, the virus didn't enter until late, but obviously now when it did, it has serious impact, and especially in the nursing home where this uh, this man passed away yesterday, they have um, both uh, uh, people who live in, in the nursing home as well as staff that are uh, that have caught the virus, and there's just a serious condition with uh, with workers, health workers. They're asking people to go to the Westfjords, nurses, to help uh, deal with this. 
um, and they have the strictest, uh, strictest what do you say, um, acts for people to follow in in the Westfields. I think they're down to five with uh, people that can come together. So they're, uh, I guess they're responding uh, to a very serious uh, situation. Mm. We had a similar outbreak in the countryside in Hunahing Vestra and they had very strict rules as well and that seems to have helped doesn't it now they, they they're releasing those rules a little bit in that region i think so yeah they also had a serious situation come up and they immediately responded to a much stricter uh, scenario that than they have uh, that we know here in Reykjavik and in Akureyri and in other places they immediately um, asked people to stay indoors and to deal with this uh, i mean these places also have just a very small number of um, health workers. So if you have if you have um, something come up like this, there's not you know you don't have the power in man you know the manpower many people to deal with it. So it's very and that's one of the reasons they're asking people not to go out of town. You know any weekend, but especially Easter weekend, since it's a big tradition for Icelandic people to go to the, their summer cottages or renting ones to get away, get out get out to the country. It's a five-day holiday, so it's a it's an opportunity to spend with your families, but um, it also means that you have a lot of people coming together in places that usually don't have a, a lot of people, um, or at least not the risk of uh, something happening, like it could in, in places where there's only a the number of, of doctors and nurses are very few if something would come up, mm. adding to the, uh, the ongoing risk factor of people uh, traveling around Easter when the, as we see outside today and have seen all weekend, the weather can be bad and the road conditions can be bad. So people who, um, there's always the risk of a road accident and that could mean uh, spaces in the, uh, yeah, for clinically injured people along with the uh, COVID people at the, at the hospital. What's the impression you're getting? Because uh, they haven't banned travel, but they are advising against it, especially over Easter. Uh, what's your impression? Are people taking this on board? That's definitely my impression. I know some people will uh, will feel that this might not apply to them, but um, a lot of these uh, summer houses, cottages are owned by the unions different unions like Appling and Waffer and BHM and um, other other different unions and at least Appling have decided just to cancel all the contracts so people have obviously they, they lose out but I think it's in my personal view is, is the right thing to do and the people who who already paid for uh, the cottages will, will get their money back others I think Waffer and BHM are still considering they haven't uh, made a decision which seems uh, an obvious one to me so mm. things might change in the, in the next few days but I think people are just getting used to I think being at home um, uh, figuring out how to how to deal with it and uh, a lot of people that are working will have a good opportunity to to spend time with their kids um, you know in their in their uh, closer area I think uh, you don't really want to, I think there's a, a factor of um, just as with you're not supposed to gather more than 20 people around, I mean you don't see any 
pictures on social media. I mean, people are definitely coming together two, four, six, eight, you know, having dinners together and sitting, you know, across the table and trying to interact socially whilst um, um, behaving according to uh, the rules that are set. So uh, I think there will be a serious decrease in people going out of town this Easter, whether there'll be a hundred percent, I doubt, but I, I think there'll be a the vast majority at least. A mm-hmm. uh, slightly different topic, the nurses are coming together with the employers to have a negotiation um, for wages and contracts. They've been out of contract for over a year now. Does this situation have any bearing, practical bearing on those negotiations, do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think so. I think, uh, I mean, they're coming together to meet today for the first time in a long time. So there's a meeting. Um, yeah, I think it already started. I think they're planning on meeting for an hour today to discuss um, yeah, their, their contracts. And um, I think this would be a... I mean, they already uh, responded really badly to having this... Um, what do you say? They, they had this... Uh, Payment that they, well, I don't know what you they, call they, it. I, I was translating it as a shift premium, but yeah, it was a temporary pay rise, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, and it was one of the one of the things that the, the hospital d- decided to take away in in a greater a greater um, plan to decrease costs at the hospital, which has been uh, bleeding money for for quite some time, um, but. Um, and that came into place on April 1st, which uh, was not uh, maybe many people have obviously uh, spoken about that not being the perfect timing as uh, there's been so much uh, work, there's been so much uh, yeah, burden and uh, a lot going on for the nurses. So this was maybe not what they, I mean, I think they all knew it was coming, but maybe in their heads they said, no, they probably won't do this now with everything that's going on, but they did. But but since then, they've postponed that uh, change, so that will... Um, but I think the discussions will... Uh, I mean, we don't know how long this will be going on. I mean, we're still on our way to towards the the peak of the, of the pandemic here in Iceland, and... I think the and the hospital doesn't see that peak until maybe a week after in the numbers in beds and, and, and stuff like that. So uh, and this will go, I think, into the summer one way or, or another. And as we see, and then the Westfields are maybe all of a sudden something happens there and then you, you might see something different in another part of Iceland. So there will be a lot going on with the medical uh, staff in Iceland for many weeks, I imagine. So I think everybody would be very happy and relieved to have the nurses on a contract. And so I think this will help them in their negotiation, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, just as we finish up, back to your work. Um, how is, the, first of all, how is this affecting your job? Obviously, everything's COVID-19 these days. Are you getting to write about much else? Are you getting bored of this? <laughs> um, well, definitely, uh, it's, it's not very positive. I mean, news in general is... Is critical. So most of the things we write, I mean, people complain a lot about how negative news are. Mm. Uh, why, why don't you write something positive? But uh, I think in media all over the world, you will find on the whole that the majority of the news pieces are, are at least critical, in many cases negative. But now I think this is 
a bit extreme, but that's just uh, in relation to everything is extreme now. This is very different to anything that uh, I think anyone uh, has has known. You could just say for the whole world. So um, for us, we we're usually we're, we're used to covering things that are that are. Uh, what the people are thinking about delivering um, what matters to people so for the general news i think this is this is uh, uh, well in some in uh, in one way it, it's it's pretty normal but it's kind of um, we're used to um, uh, covering uh, a greater variety of news you could say mm -hmm. different different topics so now everything is uh, corona um, COVID related, so it's maybe more, I used to be a sports reporter and you see a greater difference there. There, I mean, there's almost, you can't really cover any sports. I mean, you're, the sports reporters are all, um, they're, they're doing a, a good job, but the, the, obviously they can't cover current sports. So there's a lot of, you know, you know, what happened this day and uh, memories and uh, the best this, the best that and um, discussions and the opinions and on different. So you see a great change in, in that in that department. And, but then we see a, a different thing with uh, uh, with just what's changing with uh, like on Visit we have uh, many, many uh, things from the art. We have theaters that we're showing theaters and concerts and all this kind of stuff, entertainment from from home or from an empty theater where people are still performing. So it's also very interesting to see how people respond to this. We we find out that we can work from home. I think many offices and people are realizes that that uh, there's a this will have some impact on how people will do their job in the in the future. I think uh, our newsroom is is a part of that. I think. Maybe in the past when somebody says, uh, is it okay I work from home today? You would uh, give it a thought and usually you say, yeah, okay, for this once, there must be a, some, some good reason for that. But in the future, you know, you can see people, you know, work their ass off, uh, good workers wherever they are. So I think this will have a, a change in the work envi environment uh, in, the f in the future. Yeah, I agree. I'm not sure what impact that will have, like in terms of people's, personal happiness in their work life and things but it could be positive it could be negative but unfortunately we've run out of time <laughs> yeah i definitely i miss the people i work with we connect to the computer but i wish we could have a, have a laughs in, at lunch and during the day that makes a, a huge difference but uh, but yeah we'll, we'll see and is the coffee as good home at home as at the office uh, my girlfriend drinks the coffee i don't even drink coffee so i don't miss the coffee but i believe it's better at the office <laughs> <laughs> great well thank you so much for your time Thanks to my two guests this week. Uh, as next week is Easter Monday, there will be no show, but the Week in Iceland will return to roof.is forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, to the Roof app, and your favourite podcast provider on Monday the 20th of April. Now, I've been searching around a little bit for good Icelandic Easter songs. Uh, pickings were a little slim, but I've gone with a spring-themed song instead. To close the show today, this is Gjedje RN, or GDRN with the song Vorith, which means spring. Bye for now. After long